Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where today we're going to take a little break from tennis and talk about the National Basketball Association. That means, of course, joining me from the other side of the country and what I assume is a sunny day in Sacramento. Spread, how's it going? It's overcast, but I'll tell you what, my disposition is sunny, noops. I've been watching NBA all evening, go straight into the Australian Open. I don't even know when I've been sleeping, but I've been winning, so it's been a, it's been a great time over here in Sacramento, California. Well, it's also a great time in New Orleans spread. It turns out that Zion Williamson guy, that, that number one prick, pick, I think uh, you've heard of him before, haven't you? Yeah, I saw um, some great highlights of him coming out of high school, and I, I think he did pretty good at Duke last year. He did. He was the number one pick in the draft, and it sounds like he's finally going to play some basketball spread. Yeah, that's fantastic. He looked great in the preseason, but um, who doesn't look great in the preseason, right? Let's see how he does in these in these real games. So what are you expecting to see? I know that I'm Team Zion, and you are – uh, team hesitant. So uh, what do you think we're going to see here? I worry about what kind of shape he's in. I think one of the biggest things about injuries is not just that you get hurt, is that you miss training time and you kind of fall behind on you know some of your conditioning and things like that. We have seen videos of him playing. Um, you know, Based on what he looked like last year, I think he has put on a little bit of weight, and I do worry about that. But we'll see. I mean, the Pelicans are a really, really fun team right now. And at the very least, I think, you know, you start to move him and fold him into the team a little bit by bit. I wonder if he has a minutes limit tomorrow, you know, something in the 15 to 20 minute range, um, you know, kind of just to slowly move him in because the team itself is playing pretty well. Um, you know, what do you think this does to the Pelicans and their chemistry kind of where they are? Because I know you've been a big fan of the Pelicans the last week or so. Yes, I have been. They've been winning money for me. I had them yesterday against the Memphis Grizzlies and I, what I considered basically the battle of the uh, two teams with maybe the most talent and the highest upside of teams that were in the lottery last year. And uh, so I'm, I'll, I'm positive he'll be on a minutes limit. I'm positive. They've already mentioned that and uh, they would be stupid not to. And I think an interesting aspect of it is they've been playing so well. I don't think there's going to be, you know, maybe a lot of pressure on him. Uh, to come out and perform and carry the team. I think that he'll get a chance to fit in, uh, basically taking um, these reserve minutes. I think that it would be smart to get him going against the reserves, get his confidence going a little bit, and uh, not only confidence in beating the NBA players, which we know is the, one of the greatest steps in all professional sports, and that's the step from the NCAA to the NBA, uh, but getting confidence in his own body that he can go out and do the things that made him Zion and not worry about, you know, heading back to the locker room. So, uh, boy, it would be rough for uh, New Orleans to have another brittle superstar after Anthony Davis would take uh, 51 trips to the locker room over an 82-game schedule. So let's hope that Zion can stay a little more healthy. And I'm really excited about uh, Zion coming back. And I'm really excited about the Pelicans in general. I think that he got a great uh, break by going to Alvin Gentry, a coach that's going to uh, teach him, guide him, and not really overuse him and put too much pressure on him for his debut. I think you're right. And, you know, Spread, that we live in the wonderful, wonderful world where we can actually bet on this. What do you think the over-under for Zion Williamson minutes are tomorrow night? Uh, 15 and a half. 19 and a half. I'm looking through. I, I swore they said he would be on a strict minutes limit. It's not on ESPN. I'm going to double back. We might actually be able to beat that um, just off quotes. Now, the question is, will Gentry be true to his quotes? But with how well the Pelicans have been playing, I see no reason uh, for them to force it. Uh, what do you think? Well, I'm looking actually at Twitter. And I just pulled up some stuff. It looks like David Griffin might have said that he's starting and will not have a minutes limit. 
This is interesting. Oh, yeah, that's what it says on Bleacher Report, too, which is um, different than the quotes that Alvin Gentry gave last week when they said they were going to ease him back in. Um, it says here, so, yeah, it's right about there. Uh, I'm reading off Bleacher Report, and it says, uh, the Pelicans are expected to keep his minutes in the 15 to 20-minute range despite having no hard limit. And I think that's smart. You know, if he's playing well, you know, you don't have the feeling that you have to pull him. I know that in uh, baseball with the pitch count, sometimes it looks stupid when they – pull players that are doing well because of their their pregame limit that they've imposed on themselves so I think they were smart to do that but I think they'll stay true to their word and with the way the team's playing right now I don't think there's any pressure to really uh get out there and force them to go 30 minutes so what do you think under 19 and a half minutes I'm seeing plus 100 I would take the under all right, what do you think? We'll put a half a unit on that for fun or is that a full unit play for us I think it's a quarter unit I don't really think that we have an edge here right Ah, who knows? I mean, we have a model that's actually like giving us like real tangible <laughs> edges, and this is kind of we're guessing. Let's do point two five units because it's a fun bet, and I don't really think that we've identified an edge. I think we're kind of having some fun in the uh, the middle of the NBA season, which can uh, feel All like the thirteenth right. mile of a marathon at some point. I'm gonna be so mad at you when that wins. <laughs> All right, so we'll take that. That's fun. You know, again, you can find that on Bet Online. Um, you know, one of the best things about having a lot of outs is not just that you get to price shop. Is you know, every book kind of hangs some interesting stuff. Now they do have a few more other, um, a few other Zion Williamson props here spread over under two dunks, over minus one fifty, under plus one ten. So we, you got to get to three dunks to win, two dunks to push. What do you think? Um, I would go under. I mean, what do you think? Do you think these guys are going to be uh, be too eager to let him go out and have a showcase against them? And uh, San Antonio is a team that, uh, while they might not be the most athletic team, they are pretty true to their defensive fundamentals. And uh, other than maybe like transition or open court, I don't think he's going to be getting any uh, dunks in traffic. I don't think they're going to allow that. Yeah, if it was in San – let me see. Is it in San Antonio or New Orleans? I think it's in New Orleans. If it was in San Antonio, I would feel a little more bullish on the under. I think that that's probably a good number. I think just based on the way he plays, he's going to have a few opportunities to get close to the basket, and I think he is going to try to dunk the ball. So I think two is probably a good number. Yeah. So, Like I said, not a tangible edge. We're pretty much just uh, throwing darts here. It is in New Orleans. It's at the Smoothie King Center. Now, will so. his first field goal be a dunk? Yes, no. minus 150. No, plus 110. Really? Yeah, no. Okay, that one I think we can have, say we have a tangible edge. Let's go no there. What right? do you think? We'll go half a unit on the no there, plus 110? Yeah. All right, let me put that in and make sure we have that. I like that a lot, too. It's That's my favorite one that you've mentioned so far that I don't feel like I'm just you know throwing a dart and guessing. And then points and rebounds, they have up their separate props. Uh, they got points, 11.5, juiced minus 120 each way, so pretty big vig on all these props, obviously. And then rebounds is at five and a half, minus one thirty the over, minus one ten to the under. Uh, if we're gonna go over there, I kinda like the over on the rebounds and the under on the points, but I don't I'm honestly I don't really see an edge on the points because we're really and we're making that bet, you're just guessing how much are his teammates gonna try to get him involved. Um, I definitely think Lonzo, because he is a good teammate, if he's running the point most of the time, uh, will try. But uh, when it comes down to it, if he you know, if he's not getting open or he's not being his man, I mean, this is an NBA game on a team that's doing well. I don't think they're going to force it to him. So uh, don't really feel like we have an edge there. But, you know, if we're playing every single one, I'd like to go over on rebounds and under on points. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from that. Again, we don't know how many minutes he's going to play, how he's going to fit into the offense, you know, again, what kind of shape. There's a lot of unknowns there, uh, you know, but again, you think about kind of the two props that we did go after here, the minutes under 19 and a half. It sounds like they're going to play in between 15 and 20. Um, right. You think if the game does get close at the end, my guess is they actually probably move him towards the bench, um, you know, and play the guys that have been playing together and, you know, doing doing well and winning games recently, frankly. And then the first field goal not to be a dunk, that's just dumb, like... He's going to make some sort of turnaround jump shot, a layup, some sort of like... It's hard to think that the first time down the floor he's going to come down and dunk on somebody. So I imagine that's kind of a public line. That's why they choose it to the yes. Let me see actually what the most money they'll take on that is. What do you think the max is? Uh, 50 bucks. 50, yeah, makes yeah. sense. I mean, like I said, you're throwing darts and the book knows that they don't really have an edge either. So book right. doesn't have an edge just like we don't have an edge because this is really just... Uh, kind of speculation you know when we're making most of our bets right we're using a model that's that's identifying edges for us um you know using our created lines going against the books created lines and basically telling the the sports books hey we think that we can make a better model than you uh in this case we're just kind of guessing and having a great time but i think it's a fun way to start our podcast and you know what it's been a long season and, and we need to kind of just break it up from just analyzing net ratings and uh and and pick and roll matchups and stuff like that all right, Spread, do you know who the eighth seed in the West is? Is it still San Antonio? No, the Grizzlies of Memphis now have a half-game lead on San Antonio in that spot. They've played one more game, same amount of losses, one more win. The Grizzlies mm. have been absolutely smoking lately. John Morant continues to be an aggressive and, and fantastic talent. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. quietly just shooting the absolute lights out of the ball from three-point land. I mean, this is one of the absolute best young and upcoming rosters. What do you think of the ceiling for the Grizzlies this season spread? I think I, they make the playoffs. They make the playoffs for sure. Last 10 games, uh, they pulled it up. Uh, 8.1 net rating. That would be good for fifth in the league in between the Raptors and the Clippers, right? So that's showing you that this recent team, the way that they're playing, this is a playoff team. And uh, you look at the way that they're playing. I mean, John Morant is coming to himself as a point guard, right? Is it is it crazy to think that a young, talented point guard now with two uh, – two months of NBA experience would kind of make an explosion and, and being comfortable and understanding what he can and can't do on the court. looks pretty confident uh, draining threes against James Harden in, in that win over the Rockets the other night. He's been making pretty much, I think, the best highlight passes uh, that we've seen in the NBA in a long while. And he's finally finding chemistry with Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, Brandon Clark, you know, is, uh, you know, in our little... Uh, GTFO group. He is a darling of the group, and he showed why. Uh, great rebounder, good athleticism on the wing. Um, Dylan Brooks is, is burying three-point shots, giving them space. And, um, you know, for a guy that I didn't really know, they're surprisingly well-coached. I really like the Grizzlies to make the playoffs here, and, and they're a team that's exceeded our expectations from the preseason pods. Now, let me see if we have odds on them to make the playoffs, because I actually don't feel... Um, Quite as fantastic. No, I don't. I think that it is going to be really close between the Grizzlies and the Spurs. Now, the Grizzlies, to make the playoff spread, yes, is plus 210 at BetOnline. That's a really interesting number. Um, Let me see what the odds are for San Antonio then. If that's plus 210, the San Antonio odds are also actually plus 200. So it looks like... Now, that's interesting. So they're giving a lot of credit to the Grizzlies. I'm looking here at odds to make the playoffs. Again, this is on BetOnline for um, the Western Conference. They've got the Grizzlies plus 210. The Pelicans plus 350. Um, the Thunder at plus 300 as the number seven seed. I think we have to bet that spread. 
I like all those. So, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm reading all these backwards. That's the odds to miss the playoffs. I'm sorry. The Grizzlies are actually minus two fifty to make the playoffs. Yeah. So okay. I was going to say. I mean, we should be hitting all those. Who do they think's going to make it? The Blazers, right? No. I mean, I'm sorry. I've that's, already ate my shoes on that one, right? I've that's my mistake. It's a shame. I got you. I got you in a lather. Um, yeah. No, I was I was pulling this up, signing up for Bet Online because I actually don't use that as an out right now. But um, but hold on. I'm I don't actually, you know see... what? I'm going to look one more time because they're flipped. They have miss and make top and bottom in different spots. So the Grizzlies. To miss the playoffs are minus two fifty. So okay, the Grizzlies to make the playoffs are plus two ten. I was right about that. Okay, um, I love that. Yeah, so let me just put that on the list. I think that is a great number. They definitely have a chance. And then the Spurs again to make the playoffs, they're plus two hundred. So it looks like okay. So what I said at the beginning does kind of make sense. It looks like they're basically the, it's, there's one spot left for those two teams. Now let me double check. Right. What was the, the number on that? Okay, so the Thunder to make the playoffs are minus three sixty. That's the one where they flipped it for some reason. Um, okay. If anyone at Bet Online is listening, that was mean. Please don't do that again. Stick with, <laughs> yeah, stick yeah, with miss, make, we'll or hit, make, miss. We'll just hit all three. That was going to be like uh, our Dutch we did um, for the Australian Open, right? I was going to say, wow, this is just fantastic. We'll just bet all three and just sit back. and. Yeah, I, I like the idea of doing the Dutch, though, for the Grizzlies and the Spurs. Because as you start to look at the standings, I mean, the Pelicans um, – you know, they're pretty far, but they're three game, three and a half games back. Um, Spurs are half a game back. The Trailblazers two games back. The Suns two games back. I think you and I have kind of written off Portland and Phoenix. Do you feel that way? Uh, I have not written off Portland because they have the worst front court in the league, and they have two guys scheduled to come back from injury that could completely turn that team around. And would I be surprised to see them sweep through March and April when uh, when Nurkic and Collins return? No, I would not. So I'm not writing them off. But I'll tell you what, I've already wasted enough money back in Portland so far this year. So I'm definitely not supporting them. But I, I wouldn't write them off the same way that I've kind of written off Phoenix as I think that, um, you know, they started great and, you know, are a great story. But their limitations ha- have come to roost when the grind of the NBA schedule has kind of exposed that. So... I'm not yet writing off the Blazers, but honestly, if you did that, I would not have any problems with you saying that because uh, I've kind of been wrong in my uh, assessment of this Portland team so far this season. The thought I'm having right now is I'm pretty confident that the eighth seed is going to be Memphis or San Antonio, so I was thinking maybe put a half unit on each. Yeah, um, I love it. I I think they both have a better chance than Portland. I'm just saying – if Portland came back, you know, and went on, you know, a great run to finish the season, you know, playing uh, 750 basketball, winning three out of four uh, of, of all their games in the last two months, it wouldn't surprise me because they're a team that does have the potential to do that with the health. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want to bet on, uh, me, you know, medical prognostication, right? Who's to say they do come back? Who's to say they come back and, and don't get hurt? within you know a week or two of their return because they're rushed back because there's portland desperately needs them so much uh, i think that, that team's a wild card i don't want to wager on them other than basically just fading them right now against any team uh that's led by the forward position especially on the road all right so if we put half a unit on each we're looking at a half unit profit if either wins it basically gives us even money um that it's either memphis or san antonio i love it I love it. Uh, let's do it. I didn't even uh, put a full unit on it. That's how confident I am on that. You know what? I was kind of thinking the same thing. So let's go a unit on each. 
Again, Spurs and Grizzlies to make the playoffs at plus 210. You can find that again at uh, Bet Online. So we'll bet both of those, which effectively gives us even odds on uh, those guys. To and make what the are my favorite Pelicans at? My little, uh, my new darlings. Your Pelicans uh, to ruin our our good time are plus 350. Mm, okay, I might be considering that. You know what? Um, We'll ju- let's jump back on the Pelicans next week. Let's see. Uh, that We'll probably be leading the podcast with that next week. Let's see how Zion looks. Let's see how he fits in. Uh, my main concern right now, and I think the reason they're plus 350, would you be surprised if he came in and pretty much upset the apple cart of that whole team, kind of you know becoming a black hole and, and trying to prove his number one status and not really fit in with the great uh, team-oriented basketball that they're playing right now? I don't expect that, but I definitely think it's a possibility. So I'd like to hold off before placing that wager. So let's check back in on the Pelicans next week because that one does intrigue me, but not enough to make the play today. All right, I think that that is kind of a rough number. I agree that um, not even just Zion's presence in needing the ball, I think simply just having him on the floor is, I, I, again, I worry about his conditioning. I think he's going to play himself into shape, and that's never something you really want, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of on a team like that. Um, mm-hmm. So... Uh, I think we're definitely going to stay away from that, but we will keep monitoring that in general. Um, let's see. What else we got going on here? You wanted to talk about the Jazz of Utah. You said you're feeling pretty good about them. Dude, I've been making so much money back in the Utah Jazz. Uh, first of all, they have the great, uh, the lovely built-in advantage of getting all those Denver-Utah back-to-backs. And every time you get a team that played Denver the night before, let I me mean, just take Utah. <laughs> take them up to 10 points. Uh, it's just a terrible spot uh, for road teams traveling in the NBA to have to play in Denver and then go to Utah and vice versa. Um, but I think that Utah does a better job of taking advantage of it than Denver does, and I think they've been a more consistent team. Uh, is it because of health? Probably. Denver's been uh, smattered with injuries lately, and I think that's been tough, even though they have the depth, and I've been backing them. Um, they've proven that maybe that their depth in uh, their chemistry isn't as, as deep as I thought with some uh, kind of disappointing performances the last week. But, boy, I really like Utah, and I really like them to do everything but maybe make the Western Conference Finals. But uh, they're a formidable regular season team, and I'm going to be looking forward to backing them uh, until the books kind of catch up. Let's. Uh, do you have the, the advanced stats pulled up? Um, let me see. I've got the season total numbers here. They're up to seventh in net rating for the season. Um, just do you have them for Toronto. the last ten? Um, no, I do. I not. do. They're do the number one, thirteen point wow. five over the last. That's 10. spectacular. So that's why I've been having so much fun. When you lead in net rating, you're not only winning, you're covering these spreads. So uh, I'm going to keep backing Utah until the wheels fall off of this bandwagon, or until the books adjust and start get, making me lay double digits. But if they're keeping me in the minus seven, minus eight range at home off teams coming off a of back-to-back in that altitude, I'm going to keep hammering it until uh, until there's some sort of adjustment. Yeah, they're not favored to win the division, actually. They've got the same record as the Nuggets and the Jazz are minus 145, Nuggets plus 110. I think that's pretty, pretty telling. The market definitely supporting the Jazz, it seems. Right. And uh, let's uh, transition right into the Nuggets. Have you uh, been watching them lately? Have you seen anything from that team? Because I, I got a couple takes on the Nuggets. I think they're still trying to figure themselves out a little bit. They just, nothing looks new or different from last year. And I think in the NBA, you need to have some sort of evolution each year. You know, maybe not huge steps, but growing and, and trying to do different things. I mean, Jokic continues to play himself into shape, so that's going to get better as it goes along. But in general, I don't see anything overwhelmingly positive or negative about the Nuggets. How about you? 
All right, here's my uh, scorching hot take for the Nuggets. They need Michael Porter Jr. He's the last piece that they need, and I understand that Michael Malone does not give out playing time. If you're not defending, you're not getting on the floor. I love that. I think uh, more NBA coaches uh, if wish they can get the support from their front office to kind of enforce that because sometimes I feel with the younger players uh, and the high draft pick and uh, just all the, the publicity and the hoopla around these players that the coaches are forced to uh, play them regardless of whether or not they're earning their playing time. But I'm thinking that he's earning his playing time and they need the dynamic playmaking of Porter Jr., a guy that can get to the rim and also bury the three. Uh, to really round out their offense. I really worry about Jokic. I love Jokic, right? Fantastic highlights, so much fun. Uh, you know, in a, a league that's going away from centers, it, it's fun to watch an offense be running through the post. I just worry about his ability to score in crunch time. It just seems like uh, he's too easily double teamed. And uh, I don't want him shooting out of the double. It, he's going to have to rely on his teammates because they know that it's going through him. And uh, Jamal Murray, I, I, he's a great player, but when he's not hot, you know, he's terrible. They've got other great shooters in Harris and Barton, but they need a real, real number two. I don't think Murray's it. I think Murray fits well on this team as the third option. You feed him when he's hot. You ignore him when he's cold. And I think that Michael Porter Jr. really needs to step up and uh, be that player. Malone is starting to warm up on him, and he's looked great in the minutes that I saw him. When I bet on the Nuggets, I want to see Porter Jr. on the floor, and I saw him close the other night. Now, was that the fact that they had three of their top players injured? Uh, obviously it was, but I'd like to see them continue uh, to run him with the closing lineup. And if they do, I'm going to be bullish on the Nuggets, and I'm going to be buying a little more than I am right now. I totally agree. The more Porter Jr. plays, the more and more value we're going to have on the Nuggets. He adds a real dynamic offensive presence and allows Jokic to really facilitate and kind of take a step back, which I think is better for him and better for that team overall. Same thing for Murray. I think that you put the ball in Porter Jr.'s hand and, and let him kind of drive what's happening there you know I don't know how great he is as a, as a play creator but he needs to be I think the number one if not number two option in that offense um, the more and more he plays the better and better they're going to be now at a high level though for both teams the Nuggets and the Jazz you know before this season I think maybe we talked about Utah as maybe a little bit of a dark horse candidate we kind of like their starting five better than maybe the Nuggets but do you think of either teams at this point being able to upset the apple cart and beat Los Angeles in a seven game series either team to make the finals yep. You know, what's funny is uh, <laughs> I think the Nuggets actually have a better chance, even though we had talked about the Jazz, and, and we do think that they're going to finish the regular season stronger. I just think the Nuggets have a little bit of higher ceiling, and that ceiling directly correlates uh, to the improvement in the development of Porter Jr. If Porter Jr. becomes a real weapon, that provides like a kind of matchup nightmare and, and won't allow uh, – you know, the Clippers or the Lakers to focus on Murray and Jokic defensively. And I really think they need that. If Porter Jr. becomes a player that we thought that he would be this season in the uh, in the preseason, if he can do that uh, by the end of the year, and I think that there's a great chance that he could do that, I think that the Nuggets would have a better chance of knocking off the two top dogs. But realistically, I don't think it's happening this year. I think that they should just be uh, happy to continue developing them. But I think there is a clear tier between the Los Angeles teams in the rest of the West. All right, let's jump into the East real quick. Not too much has changed since then. You did, we did want to talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving is back, and they're at the eight seed right now. And I would, I'm looking at their odds to miss the playoffs. They're plus one seventy to miss the playoffs, and I would love to bet that. But good lord, there is just nobody down there. Um, so I guess it, at first. Um, spread. What do you think of the Nets in general now that we have Kyrie Irving back? How are you handicapping them? Do you find yourself betting against them more or betting against them less? 
I I don't like betting on him when he's uh, in the lineup. I don't think that he's fit in well with his teammates. He made some kind of ill-advised comments afterwards uh, after his first – it was actually his third game back, right? He goes like 6 for 23 or some ridiculously inefficient shooting number and then proceeds to call out his teammates saying they don't have pieces. Comes back the next day, says he individually uh, – reached out to teammates but but regardless if i'm his teammate i'm like who is this guy right he comes in here we're playing worse he, he's not a leader and now he's calling us out saying that i'm the problem and he's not the problem uh i think the guy has serious leadership issues and um he's so bad defensively beyond the court their defense uh decreases what what does Kyrie Irving do for you he gives you a guy who can create a shot in a close game with two minutes to go when the game slows down and you have to be able to beat defenses in a half court set well if the game's not close he's not providing anything for you and the way he's playing right now they're getting out to these uh these huge deficits that are basically insurmountable and the fact that he's one of the best creators in the, in the half court system is really irrelevant. Let's look at the Nets over the uh, past 10 games. Minus 6.9 uh, net rating, 25th out of 30th in the league. I mean, it's just terrible. They're 2-8 and eight, uh, over the last 10. They haven't been playing well, and uh, I'm looking forward to fading the Nets because uh, I don't think he fits in well with this team, and I, I really feel bad for Kenny Atkinson uh, having to try and work this in. And, uh, you know, <laughs> is he becoming a coach killer? Look how good Brad Stevens looks as a coach with him gone. It's it's amazing, and it's hard to talk about a player who's so clearly talented and, and so gifted being such a problem, but it is a combination of what he does in the locker room in terms of you, you know the stuff he tweets out and the way he behaves in press conferences, and who knows how he actually even behaves in practice and when they're getting ready and, and things like that. So you combine that with the fact that he just throws the team out of rhythm as well as he's on the floor. He's a ball stopper. I mean, he's an, kind of an old-school shooting guard at this point we don't see a lot of players who catch the ball square up do a bunch of jab steps um there's not a lot of players who really do that anymore the ball moves faster these days there's a lot more passing if you catch it you're just driving right away or moving it on a pass doing something like that Uh, there's a lot less of kind of that old school mentality if i'm going to take the ball i'm going to check you up i'm going to jab step you a few times i'm going to catch you with your feet out of place and then i'm going by you and the defense have gotten better at that. There's better perimeter defenders, so it's harder to do that in the beginning. And defenses know how to rotate. Just about every team has somebody that knows they need to come over and close that up. And it sucks to play basketball with somebody like that. You stand there and you watch, and you're like, oh, great, here we go. Kyrie's going to jab step for five seconds, then he's going to dribble, maybe he'll get fouled. Great, I'm just going to stand here and uh, you know enjoy that. Like it's You check out. I, I think that that makes it really tough. And you had a team that had some really great rhythm and, and spirit last year that – um, they look different when he's on the floor, not in a good way. you got to wonder from Kyrie's perspective, just thinking about his career long-term, if his position is best as kind of the second fiddle um, on a team with someone that's bringing the ball up. I think he does need a true kind of ball-dominant point guard, basically what LeBron was in Cleveland, somebody that brought the ball up the floor, made sure everybody else was getting involved. But, you know, when it got down to the end of the game and they needed a big point, it was the end of the shot clock, he just give the ball up to Kyrie. I mean, when Cleveland won the title, um, it really was a, because of a lot of Kyrie shots, not because of LeBron shots, and he was happy to bring the ball up the floor, set screens, do what he needed to do to get him open so he could score. But, you know, bringing the ball up the floor with him every time, it's it's got to be tough. Yeah, and I think he will defer to Durant next year, and are they just doing this as kind of a, what was the term that you taught me? Uh, 
what was it called? A gap year. Is this gap a gap year. year for the Nets? Gap year, the red shirt uh, gap year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think he will defer to Durant because uh, – Do you think Durant has that personality, decide, though? He, he's a smart guy. He's a smart guy. I mean, that flat earth stuff, I think he was just yanking people's change. I think that he is kind of aware, and I think that he kind of has a weird sense of humor and is kind of dealing with fame in an odd way. Uh, but I think he realizes that Durant is the better player, and I think he will defer to Durant. But I think we're seeing a gap year. I love using my new vocabulary there uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, and I think that they're just pretty much looking towards next year with the uh, Durant-Irving combo with Durant playing the role of LeBron. I just wonder if that's Durant's game. I don't think that Durant has that playmaking ability. He's always kind of played with somebody. Obviously on the Thunder, it was Westbrook bringing the ball up mm -hmm. and then him kind of operating around that in Golden State. It was a lot about Steph Curry bringing the ball up and him working around that. I just, I think this team needs a point guard. It needs somebody to bring the ball off the floor and kind of get those guys in positions where they can take the ball and score instead of them bringing the ball up and, and trying to initiate. I just, I've always wondered about that fit. As soon as I heard that the two of those guys wanted to play together, I thought it was weird from a locker room perspective. They both are kind of funky guys that, you know, again, are, are, can be odd in press conferences and um, who knows what the two of them interacting is going to be like. And then when you get them on the floor, it's two guys they are going to want to stand and catch the ball. They need somebody to bring it up and get it to them. I don't know if that's Dinwiddie, um, but they just haven't figured it out yet. So we'll see. Obviously, adding Kevin Durant is going to be great. He's incredibly talented. The defense will, will pick up, and maybe that will cover for a little what Kyrie's not doing on that end of the floor. But I'm with you. I'm happy to fade the Nets the rest of the year as long as he's playing. Yeah, and then when he's not playing, we should get great prices because um... – like, look at the game against Philadelphia yesterday. Uh, the price moved three points in the Sixers' favor uh, when he was ruled out, and <laughs> it actually helped us. I was even happier as a Sixers backer finding out that he was not playing. So um, I think it's a great advantage for us betting-wise, and that's why I wanted to bring it up for the listeners that um, – you know, check the injury report, and we're actually kind of going the opposite there. We're going to buy when he's out and sell when he's playing. All right, we have a couple other fun props I wanted to talk about. Spread, who do you think the favorite is for most improved player? That's a tough question. I won't spend too much time hemming and hawing. Gosh, I really have no idea. Um, I, I don't know. You're going to have to tell me. I can't even think of a good guess without just we, we got a Luka Doncic. We got Luka Doncic at, um, let me just t double check here, plus 125. Devontae <laughs> Graham at plus 200. Brandon Ingram at plus 350. SGA's 10 to 1. Bam Adebayo is 12 to 1. That's kind of interesting. And then um, everybody else is kind of 50 or 1 or higher. You've got Brogdon, Brown, Siakam. Siakam at most improved at 50 to 1. That's kind of funky. I like so the three that you mentioned that is um, Ingram and uh, Siakam and uh, who was the other one that's really done good? Leave those off one more time and I'll and I'll stop you. Um, Doncic, Devonte Graham, Brandon Ingram, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Bam Adebayo. Bam. Yep, Bam was another yeah. one that I had circled. I think that we uh, we just put a point two five on those three, and uh, you know it probably won't hit. They'll probably give it to Luca. Uh, but I'm not playing playing plus 125 for a media award, right? I mean, that's just too low. We want to take the long shot here and uh, get a chance to cash without losing too much money out of our pocket. Yeah, chance for me to brag here a little bit. I just was going back through. I got Doncic for most improved at 25 to 1 preseason. And I did also oh. bet. Well, um, then don't even reinvest. You're already set. 
I know, Take but I, I still like some of them anyway. This. We're not betting this. You already won this. I like Bam out of bio at twelve to one. I'm going to be honest. That's I think that's a good number. Uh, Brandon Ingram at three fifty is probably just about right. If it makes you you know just to dial down the excitement just a little, I did also bet on Laurie Market and De'Aaron Fox and. Um, I can't even think of who this is. Young. It doesn't um, matter at those prices. All you need to do is hit one of four, and you're you're rolling in dough. So let's actually talk about though not who we think that the media will vote for. Who do we really think it is? I really think it's Brandon Ingram. Like in my mind, I don't think I don't know if he'll actually win because I think Doncic is probably a shoe in because of all the amount of media attention he gets. But who do you actually believe to be the most improved player? I think it's Luca or Bam for me because I think they've made the ascension into top 10 top 15 players ingram's probably moving to that top 25 conversation and i think he's kind of filling out to what we thought he would be but um you know luka Doncic is arguably one of the five best players in the league right now bam Adebayo, i think is clearly probably in that 10 to 15 range for what he's doing every night um and i just think those two guys because they're so important from that big perspective i think that their move from being good to, to great is more impressive than Ingram's move from being okay to good. Yeah, and I honestly can't uh, argue with those. And my just my reason for Ingram is he was uh, flirting with bus territory, and now um, I think he's a legitimate All Star candidate. And we knew that uh, Bam and Doncic were solid players going in. I had really doubts that Ingram would even be a contributor on New Orleans. I thought that maybe he might get phased out uh, with all the young talent there. So I'm really most impressed by his improvement, but. Uh, Obviously, this is all uh, speculative and, and just our opinions, so that's why it's tough to gamble on. But uh, I think you make some great points uh, supporting your guys. Yeah, I am. Th- I still think I want to take Bam though, dude. Twelve to one. You're telling me there's, he's not. You really don't think Luca gets it? You don't think Luca's just a shoe in? I think he does get it. I, I I guess you're right. I guess he's such a shoe in. The only thing we'd have to consider. And you is already have like, it. Somebody like Siakam at 50, 50 to one. That one's weird. Why is he fifty to one? Because of the injuries. Yeah, I mean, but he's the he same. Missed, he's missed a lot of games. He's the same price as Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Fred Van Vliet. And that's all wrong. But still, he's not gonna. I don't think he's gonna get it right unless they, uh, unless they finish with the number one or two seed, and we see some amazing things from the Raptors. Which, as happy as I've been with my preseason prognostication about him, I don't see them moving up in the standings for the rest of the season. All right, so nothing for us there. MVP, Giannis still the favorite at minus 162. Uh, Doncic plus 400 is actually the number two MVP candidate right now. And James Harden at plus 550. I guess maybe going back to most improved player, my only hesitancy for Doncic is people get afraid to vote for him because they think he might win MVP. But I guess this is Giannis's award at this point. Any interest in Harden at 5.5 to 1, LeBron at 8 to 1? You get your boy Jokic at 50 to 1. <laughs> Uh, no, doesn't this seem like it's Giannis's to lose? I think that um, if we were sitting here talking about who we think is the real MVP, I think you can make a good argument for James Harden, but there is some sort of media fatigue with him. He's a very polarizing player, uh, while Giannis, um, even though he doesn't get really, to me, the attention they deserve. I mean, what was it the other day that everyone was infuriated about, and rightfully so, that Giannis dropped like some ridiculous number, like 33, 17, and 17, and the headline on ESPN is Stephen A. Smith says he would fit in great with the Warriors. It's like, let Milwaukee have their fun, guys. Like, they have the player. We don't need to fantasy shop them around. And I think that um, ESPN and their kind of soap opera coverage of the NBA is really hurting the ratings, which is funny because ESPN is one of the major carriers of the NBA. 
So why aren't we betting as much money as we can then on Giannis at minus 162? Because there's no reason to bet a media award that we can't really gain like a statistical edge on like that we can with our model. And I don't know. I mean, do you see an edge? I mean, are, are we missing it? Is there a way that we're creating like good eye probabilities where we realize that the eye probability is greater than, than the price we're given? I think you're right. We're kind of it's it's always tough. It is a media award. You got to wonder if they get kind of tired. I mean, if Harden does get hot and you know goes through a, a streak of scoring forty every night again for a couple weeks, I'm sure he moves up quickly. But I just keep staring at it. I feel like I should bet it, but I'm not going to bet it because you're right. It's a season long award. It ties up your money for a little while, and there's so much unknown. Um, probably best to stay away. Yeah, I think so too. Especially when we're doing pretty good, right? We're we've got we've got models of our own. Yours is much more complex than mine, but they're both working. And and the good part about that is uh, we get tangible feedback on our model every day, right? We set a line, and then we go against the market, and then we see what the book set, and then we're either right or wrong, right? And we can watch the game and say, oh, I should have won this one. You know, they shouldn't have fouled at the end. Uh, but over the season, we get a re- realistic feedback, uh, you know, numerically. Uh, on how well our model's doing. And I think that's one of the, some of the most fun about betting the NBA is that uh, while baseball, I think you can make an even better statistical model, I don't enjoy watching the sport to try and find the flaws in the model as much. And that's why I love betting the NBA. It gives us huge statistical sample size from to actually uh, run a numbers-based model that can, be, uh, that can be effective. So I say we stick to our bread and butter and keep making money this way. All right, we got a bunch of odds for tomorrow, not quite every single game. Let's try to go through quickly and take a look, try to do a quick handicap of each game. Your Sacramento Kings visiting the Detroit Pistons. Detroit minus one and a half points. God, that's such a tease, and the total is at 222. What are your initial reactions there, Spread? I'm going to take the uh, Pistons. I don't like betting the Pistons uh, normally, but uh, let's go ahead and look at the last 10. Uh, which is I've even made it even more in my model with the amount of injuries we've had this year. Uh, there's no reason for me to look at numbers in, from October to try and predict what these teams are doing right now. Last 10, the Pistons are 14th, uh, 0.6 net rating. Uh, the Kings are 22nd, minus 4.6. The Pistons are coming together as a team uh, under the leadership of Derrick Rose, who's really uh, kind of under the radar, uh, became a, a, number, a good number one option uh, for a team, and and the t- and he's really popular in the locker room. The guys really seem to like him, uh, even when he was struggling with injuries. Uh, he's always been a very popular teammate, so I don't think they have any problem uh, sharing his in, in his success as maybe some of the point guards we mentioned earlier. While on the Kings, we have a team that's kind of rife with dysfunction. Um, they're missing Rashawn Holmes, who kind of was the only kind of bright spot of the Kings' offseason moves this season. Um, and we're starting Marvin Bagley now who is a great player, fun to watch. He grabbed 15 rebounds against the Heat last night. Quite impressive. Gets some good highlight blocks, but there's plenty of plays if you watch the game where you see him missing his defensive assignments or basically not his assignment but not rolling in time uh, to bail out his uh, his perimeter defenders the way that Holmes does. I don't like the way the Kings are defending. I think that there's a lot of strife in the in the front office. I think that... Luke kind of had problems because I don't think, I think he wants to enforce, you know, I talked about it earlier and and maybe this is why it's hitting close to the heart. He wants to enforce defensive effort and he's getting pushback from the front office. And I think that's uh, emblematic in the way that he's treated Buddy Heald. I don't think that Heald has earned his spot on the closing floor or for defensive 
defensive purposes, I think he can be lazy on defense and he's out there because he knows he's the best shooter on the team. Um, and I think that Luke kind of wants to throw him on the bench and get him to take his defensive responsibilities more seriously. And it's just not happening. I think he's getting pressure from the front office. I think there's a disconnect again. And I'm going to keep fading this team until they get it right. All right. What do you think of the total? 222 looks awfully high to me. Two teams that were played relatively slow. Can you filter hmm. on pace there and tell me what the pace looks like for the last 10? But for the season, the Kings are 27th in pace. The Pistons are 23 in pace. They play real slow. I mean, you take a look at this. It looks like the final score they're projecting is somewhere in the range of, you know, 112, 110 Detroit. Doesn't that sound awfully high? Um, It seems about right to me. I'm sorting my last 10 again. Um... And the Kings are ninth in pace right now. So it definitely has increased. And the amount that they've been giving up per game, it's not on the same page. But I think it's right around the 110, 111 range. So um, unless you think that it's going to be a blowout, which I don't necessarily think it's going to be a blowout. I just think the Kings lose. I'm staying away from that total. Um, If you want to go under, though, I I don't have a strong argument against it. Yeah, I'm going to pass. So you want Detroit. Um, I'll pass on this. I do. Orlando okay. Orlando minus one and a half, total at two oh nine and a half. Oklahoma City is visiting. Um, that's kind of an interesting line. It looks like they really want you to take Oklahoma City at that price, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on the Thunder Magic? I don't I don't want to bet this game. This is two teams that I think that are on the rise that are both undervalued and they're playing against each other. So why would I take uh you know, have to choose between one of my darlings that have been winning me money the last couple of weeks. The Magic have been improved and defensively uh, so much. You see it on the floor. They're starting to come together. They got this guy, I think you might have heard of him, Markel Fultz, who's taking over at point guard and looking quite good. The Thunder are undervalued as well, I think. They play great perimeter defense. I'm staying away from this game. What are you thinking? I think so, too. This one's tough. I, I was looking at the total of the under again. There's a chance that this goes into overtime, so I'm going to stay away. Fultz has been great. I'm really happy for him. I wished him absolutely all the best. I am, I'm too. I'm so annoyed that um, Colangelo traded him and, and got him out of there. But here we are, um, and I'm glad that he's got an opportunity to play. So good for him, but no action for me there. A uh, quick sidebar, though. Do you think he develops like this in Philadelphia? I don't. I think that there was a lot of pressure on him in Philadelphia, and I also think that and, uh, you know, with so many talented players around him that uh, there was just no reason to have his juices be so high. But on the Magic, so sorely needing a point guard, um, he kind of can jump in and do that high usage without really disrupting the team chemistry. Uh, would you agree with my assessment there? I would, but I think there was a pathway to get him on the floor to get him some usage and to calm everybody down. Um just the whole thing was botched beginning to end. So, I'm, again, I'm happy for him that he got out. and It is a good situation. So he's going to do well and continue to play well. I imagine at some point he might even make an all-star team or two. So we'll see. Yeah, he might. My Philadelphia 76ers visiting Toronto. Um, no Joel Embiid, so we don't have to worry about the um, Embiid hangover in Toronto, which is good. <laughs> the Raptors are minus six total at 216 it opened it actually took must have taken some good money to the over opened a 216 spread all the way up to 218 and a half um that's awfully high i'm going to see if that ticks up if that gets up into the 220 range i'm going to look at an under even though without it be the sixers play pretty slow i think this is going to have kind of a playoff atmosphere and i tend to lean under in those games what do you think about the spread the total what are your thoughts yeah, and you know what? I was so I've missed some totals on Philadelphia because I thought, okay, Embiid's out, they should play a quicker pace. 
Um, you know, Simmons getting up and down the floor, but that hasn't really materialized. Um, so I've missed some totals. And the thing is, they are a great defensive team, which also they're playing at a slow pace and they're stopping their opponent. Uh, that screams under all over it. I'm not going to touch this total because uh, my eyes and my model are not aligned with the results. Um, I'm kind of interested in taking a flyer on Toronto here. I see I can still get a minus six at five dimes or a bookmaker. And my idea is basically this is team is, is a Jekyll and Hyde, and they're, they're pretty poor on the road. Uh, I've had some success baiting Philadelphia on the road against good teams. I mean, I'll gladly take them against Brooklyn's of the world. But uh, a Toronto Raptors team that's kind of playing solidly and coming together, I think I'm going to lay the six. Are you, uh, are you pretty upset that I'm fading your hometown heroes? Oh, I'm not upset. You know how pessimistic I always am. It's um, <laughs> it's tough. This is a, a tough matchup for the Sixers without Embiid. Um, I do wonder, though, if maybe the smaller lineup here allows them to spread Toronto out. Um, some of their bigger, slower players like Ibaka and, and Gasol, um, you know, maybe try to go by those guys a little bit. But defensively, the Raptors are always really, really tough, and they give the Sixers absolute fits on the offensive end. So um, going to need a really big game out of Tobias Harris, which is going to be tough, I think. And Simmons just needs to continue to be aggressive. Um, Brett Brown, to his credit, and I know this is amazing for me to say anything nice about him, has been playing Simmons at a center role in some secondary packages, which work really well. Well, he's really almost well. had to, hasn't he? Because... The guy that I love so much, Pell, he hasn't been playing either. No, it's tough to play Pell offensively, and it just—it's well, he's hurt. Yeah, he is. I thought he was going to play against Brooklyn, and I thought that that would be their rim protector. And then, fortunately, Horford played, or I would have lost that bet. You know, but uh, when I capped it in the morning, I got up capped in the morning. I was on Jimmy's show, and I was capping it with Pell in, Horford out. Three hours later, <laughs> those had completely flipped on me, and actually, you know, it was an upgrade for me so I was quite happy about that I'd rather have Horford than Pell but um, you know I don't, I don't know if that was Brett Bounds genius or just uh, necessity being the mother of invention there the, num- the number looks a little heavy to me I would probably have this closer to four maybe five so I'm going to stay away but mm-hmm. I don't think there's any problem taking Toronto here yeah and there's the other thing remember I tell you that uh, in my little model I had used the uh, home road and I had to uh, lower the weight of the home and road, but I still have it in there. And when you use the home road splits pretty heavily, uh, <laughs> it, it gives me to Toronto minus nine. So um, I'm quite happy to lay the six here. And, and, you know, if I'm wrong, more power to you because uh, I do love it when you're happy about your team. And uh, other than that win total, I'm not really too invested in the Raptors, but uh, just from my created lines, I think there's value in Toronto. The Lakers visiting the Knickerbockers of New York. Lakers laying 10 total at 224. Um, I guess that's all just about right. LeBron tends to play very well in New York. Um, what do you think, Spreddy? Land the big number? I'm not playing this game, right? I mean, I, I'm going to throw my creative numbers out the window um, for this game because, well, I mean, I, I took Lakers last night. Boy, that wasn't fun. Fortunately, I was able to hop back on and because I saw there was no defense being played at all. Got the second half over, which sailed over. Because, boy, I was feeling uh, pretty upset about giving out that Lakers play. And um, I don't know. I just really don't know what to expect to this team on the road trip. You know, they've played so well, and they've been so focused on the regular season so far. They can afford to lay a couple eggs. I think 11 seems about right, even though my created lines have it higher and and say that I should take the Lakers. I'm not going to do it. Um, uh, LeBron looked bad last night. He had mentioned something about going to his son's game. 
um, ruined his his body clock or or whatever happened there. But boy, they, from Boston to New York, who knows how much of a great time they had? I, this game screams stay away to me. What are you thinking? I think so too. Uh, this has backdoor written all over it. I think that if you're going to look at the Lakers here, maybe a first half Lakers. Ah, look. nice. Um, let me see. I like we, that. Yeah, let me see if we have numbers to that yet. Yeah, sometimes you don't get those that early. Um, here we go. Yeah, they're they're minus six in the first half. I think you do something like that as opposed to doing Lakers full game. Um, and if you want to take the Knicks, I, I think you wait. I think you can get them live in the first half at some point. I, I bet you can get as high as plus fifteen or something like that. So. Um, nothing for me free game. In fact, you might even have the best look is um, take the Lakers first half and double down on the New York Knicks if it ever gives above plus 20, which honestly I would give it about a 50% chance that the Lakers get out to a 30-10 lead and you can get like a plus 22 or a plus 24. Yeah. Memphis, and uh, this is the biggest move in the market so far. Uh, Memphis visiting Boston. The Celtics opened up minus 9, the total at 228.5. It is now Celtics minus 7 uh, with pretty low juice. I'm seeing minus 105s instead of minus 110. So uh, money's still coming in on Memphis, it looks like, and the total is all the way up to 233. Um, you know, the move on is the there total a player make... that I'm missing? Because I'm seeing Boston getting 94% of the money. Um. Yeah, you're looking at SBR. I think that's wagers instead of money, but I'm not entirely sure. Oh, um, it is. But regardless, 94% shouldn't give me a two-point move. Yeah, I'm not you know, I'm not really sure. Whales are hitting Memphis, and I would hit Memphis plus nine. I think that's that's probably more what happened. I try not to look at those numbers too much. You know, I don't know if you want to have okay. a discussion about that kind of data in general, but I always kind of roll my eyes at it. Um, you know, because we don't know what percentage of wagers were made at what price or when or, or by who. Exactly. There's just so much mm-hmm. context missing from those numbers. But you know, again, I assume that the opener price they posted was correct. Um, you know, and it has moved two points, and it makes sense. I mean, Memphis, like you said, is one of the hottest teams in the league. Um, you know, Boston continues to look a little bit better here game by game, but I don't think that they've shown anything to make you believe that they should really be a nine-point favorite over Memphis. The seven start, start is, looks pretty right to me. I might have had this, you know, Boston minus six, probably minus seven is correct. And I understand the move on the total, too. Memphis um, puts up points in a hurry. So um, any action for you here? Uh, and they're not out yet, but I'll just run this by you for when they do come out. A creative way to look at this game, maybe Jaron Jackson overs. Uh, Boston really struggles in the middle, and uh, I don't know if even the points, but I would love to grab like a rebounds over or maybe a points plus rebounds over uh, for Jaron Jackson. Do you think I'm uh, onto something here? I like that play, and actually the, when you're talking about it, the other Memphis uh, big man, Valanchunas, I, I wonder if you can actually even mm. get totals on him, but I think that in his 15 or 20, 20 or so minutes he gets a game, he is just going to roast uh, Enos Cantor. No, you're even, right. I think these. Valanchunas overs would be even better. Yeah, so we'll look at those. On um, rebounds. Valanchunas yeah. over rebounds. Yeah, that would be a great. But obviously if they make it above 10, we're not doing it. But if it's single digits, I think we hit it. Yep. All right, um, Denver going to Houston. Houston minus 6.5. The total open 226, now 228. And money coming in on Houston. Houston all the way up to minus 8. Um, what do you think about that line? It's I know earlier you sound like a pretty big Nuggets fan. What do you think? You're going to take the take the 8 points? Let's wait and see the injury report. You know, I thought Denver was such a deep team. They'd be able to overcome these injuries. Excited about the extra minutes for Michael Porter Jr. But their rotations have looked wacky. When I backed Denver against Indiana, uh, they closed with the lineup. If I remember right off the top of my head, it was Jokic, Plumley, and Jeremiah Grant on the floor all at the same time. 
um, because they were getting killed on the glass. But as a result, uh, the Pacers were just feasting on the perimeter, getting three-point shots at will. I don't know what's up with this team right now. Um, I think it's Denver or no play. I'm definitely not eager to lay uh, minus eight uh, with the Houston team that is having some uh, turmoil of their own. It seems like uh, the Westbrook uh, Harden fit is still a work in progress. I think it's Denver or no play, but uh, I'm going to lay off this one for now. How do you see this game? I think it's Denver or pass. I think you're right. You do need to wait to see who's actually playing. Um, I think Denver has the ability to kind of hang with this team a little bit. They have a lot of guards to throw at Harden. Um, just a lot of bodies, and I think Jokic presents some interesting challenges for guys like Capella. So um, Denver, I think, matches up can match up nicely with this Houston team. So we'll see what the lineups look like tomorrow, but it's going to be Denver plus the points for me or pass. Yeah, I agree. Bulls minus one at home, hosting the Timberwolves. Total at 219. Um, I don't know. I got nothing to say here. Minnesota just, I don't know why they can't figure out how to play basketball, but it seems like they're starting to... Uh, tear things down here a little bit and shut it down for the season uh the bulls for whatever reason continue to play hard um kind of a confusing game for me what do you think these are two teams that my created lines have been horribly uh at picking so i'm going to completely lay off this game um from a numbers perspective because i don't really trust my lines um on these two teams so let's go actually just look at the matchup um I would like Chicago here, but they still have problems closing. They, they play so well as a team um, for about 42 minutes, and then it turns into the Zach Levine show, and it really just comes down to how well he, he finishes that night. Not too interested. I feel like you're throwing a dart if you're playing this game. Or, you know, you just have a, a, a system or a model that's giving you better numbers on these teams than I have. But uh, with a huge slate on the board, uh, I have no problems passing on this game. Absolutely. Um, Indiana goes to Phoenix. Indiana is minus one. I see Phoenix minus one. It looks like it's moving back and forth across Pickham. The total's hanging right around 222, 221.5. Kind of like the Pacers here, but what do you think, Spread? I like Indiana here, too. My main concern would be fatigue, right? They played Denver. Uh, Then they had the back-to-back in Utah last night where they got crushed. And that was really a tough spot for them. Now they get a day off and they travel to Phoenix. Um, but how much will they have really recovered? I, I still expect to see a tired Indiana team uh, that's much better than Phoenix. Um, I lean Indiana here. I see I can get a pick them at five dimes or Ben online or Bovada. But um, I, I like Indiana, but I don't know if I'm really going to play this. What are you thinking? Yeah, the fatigue spot's tough. I'm, I'm happy to pass on this. San Antonio goes to New Orleans. We talked about this game, the debut of Zion Williamson. The Pelicans minus 3.5, the total at 236. That is a monstrous total. Man, that's a lot of points spread. Um, what do you think of this? Um, Pelicans in the under here? I mean, you're right. That total is too high. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see Zion coming back, but I don't. I, do you imagine a scenario where he increases their pace? I don't. I think he slows it down a little as they try and work him into the offense. Um, San Antonio picked up the pace a little bit, but do you really want to play an over with a team that just really doesn't like shooting three-point shots? I sure don't. And especially a team that can clamp down and and could give a New Orleans problem defensively in the fourth quarter. So um, I do like the Pelicans here because uh, they've been so good to me that I'm going to keep riding this train uh, till it falls off, uh, but um, not more than a a one-unit bet, and I do like the under. Yeah, I like the under, too. You want to put one unit on the under? Yep. 
All right, under 236, let me just put that in there. Um, so I think that wraps up all the games that we have lines for. I know you were on Detroit yourself. You are going to be on, it sounds like, New Orleans by yourself. And then we both took the under 236 in that San Antonio-New Orleans game, but not much else. Um, again, maybe the Nuggets plus eight once we see what the injury situation looks like. And you were going to lay the six with the Raptors too, right? Yeah, as I say, I'm definitely on Toronto. Um, and Memphis is a, a definite look, especially if I can get some um, favorite buyback here. Let's get this line back up to eight and a half and let me pull the trigger there. All right, Spread, anything else before we wrap? No, you know what? For kind of a, a odd midseason point where, um, you know, I said it earlier in the pod, but doesn't it just feel like the uh, – mile 13 of the marathon you know just kind of a you know that the beginning seems far away but the end seems just as far um i think that we're doing a good job kind of uh, beating the market here and 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 our i think our models are doing well and i think that we're actually seeing the teams well and kind of anticipating um you know where our numbers might not be matching up so uh, i've had a lot of fun betting the nba this year it's in pretty good. My first quarter model is finally starting to pick up. Our picks for the podcast right now are plus four and a half units or so, about a ten and a half percent ROI. So we're grinding out a little profit for the people as well. That's always fun. Um, all right, unless you have anything else, spread. I, th- I think we're going to wrap. Nope, I think that's it. All right, so everybody. Good luck and. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate. Um, you guys following along, reach out to us at Networth Pod with your thoughts on anything you might want to hear. We'd love a rating or review on whatever app you're listening to, and have a great week. Good luck in all your wagers.